truly the last two songs have been and ought to be our prayer. Speak, O Lord, for thy servant hears. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. Um, Our lesson this week is on spiritual famine that the prophet said there is coming a day when there will be a spirit, there will be a famine, not a famine necessarily of food, although those days are coming, but a famine of hearing my word. And um, in looking at this today and and, um, in preparing, last night we were talking about this and Marilyn said, you've got your work cut out tomorrow. And I said, what do you mean by that? She said, well, it's read the Bible, read the Bible. And I said, yeah, I've been saying that for 44 years, and and so we've all heard it, we all know it, so I'm done. <clears throat> but because of time change, your stomach says it's only 9 o'clock, and it'd be too early to go to the dinner right now, we're going to have a message, all right? Sorry to get your hopes up. And, but it is, it's like, honestly, I... I feel like this morning I come, I feel like a a Bible salesman trying to convince believers to read their Bible. Because the last thing that I want is for there to be a, a famine of the Word of God in our lives. If there's a famine of the Word of God in our lives, what do you think there is in the world? And and sad to say, uh, surveys have said that nearly a majority of Bible-believing people do not regularly read their Bible. And, And so... Much of what we're going to do today is a reminder to us, but my prayer is that we as individuals would repent of our attitude toward the Bible and that we would change that to be a hungering and thirsting for the Word of God like we have never had before. And... and. I'll say across the board, every one of us have vast areas of improvement in our relationship with the Word of God. And you can't ever get too much of the Word of God. And so I want to begin by just reminding us what the Bible is. First of all, the Bible is the message of God to man. And and we're not going to take the time, but I'll mention a number of references. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, 
The prophecies of the Scripture came not in old time by the will of man. It wasn't individuals got together and said, we need to record something about God. This is God's idea. This is God's doing. It is a message from God to man. It isn't a message of men about God. We could go into details, the miracle of the Bible, that it was recorded over 1,500 years by 40 different human instruments, and it all meshes together and matches perfectly. But that in and of itself is proof that this is God's idea. This is, this is God that initiated this. And, and we need to understand, it, it's easy for us to get a, a trite attitude toward the Word of God. God didn't have, to, didn't have to give us anything. But He did in His infinite wisdom. And it's the message of God to man. And secondly, it is the message of God to man revealing God. The only thing we know about God we find right here. And, and what a blessing that God would, would show us His nature, that God would show us His character, that God would show us His works, that God would show us His plan. This is, this is the revealing of God. It is only through the Bible that we can know His nature, His character, that we can know the heart of God and the mind of God. The Bible is God's mind concerning everything. And to think that God gave us this and and opened up His heart and opened up His mind to us, the Bible is given to reveal to man what God is. It's all about God. God initiated it. God gave it so that we would know what God is. See, today people say, well, my, I don't believe in a God like that. Well, you may not believe in a God like the Bible teaches, but you're believing a false God. This is the only book that is ever given to reveal God. Any other book is erroneous. This is the only God-given book that was given to reveal God to us. And if my view of God does not match up with this, the problem is not with this. The problem is with my view of God. And we live in a world today that, well, my God isn't like this. Well... Sorry, it doesn't matter what your God is. It matters what the God of the Bible, what He has revealed to us through His Word. And as you get in and study and and see, we ought to be reading the Word to know God, to know His heart, to know His character, to know who He is. And, And it is a revealing of God. Thirdly, it is a revelation of the nature of man. There is, there is no book that has ever been written that truly reveals man as he truly is. 
We as mankind write other books about other people and we either err in one way or the other. We only mention the bad about them if we're wanting to destroy their character or we only mention the good about them. The Bible reveals the nature of man and it tells us our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And this, this truth, how you view the nature of man, is foundational with how you view everything else in life. And if you, if you trace back, <clears throat> there, there are all sorts of divisions today politically, um, religiously, and everything, but... It all comes back down to how you view the nature of man. And if you view it any different than what God says, God says all our righteousnesses, Isaiah 64, 6, the very best that we can do, all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags to God, as stinking, foul rags, the very best that we can do. And, and God's Word comes on the scene, and right away it shows us that mankind rebelled against God and sinned in the Garden of Eden. He then went on and gave the Ten Commandments to show us that our heart is rebellious. We can't keep His law. We violate the Ten Commandments. We are guilty. It shows us our nature, that our nature in and of itself, is against God. In Romans 3, verse 10, he tells us, There is none righteous, no, not one. None of us have any righteousness that we can commend ourselves to God. He said, We have all sinned and completely come short of the glory of God. He really tells us our nature. That goes against the self-esteem thing. That goes against all these things. You are good and you can be anything you want to be. But it's the truth. And he reveals the nature of man. And if he stopped there, we'd all be in trouble. But fourthly, he gives the solution to man's problem, which is sin. That's man's problem. But he gives us the solution to it. Turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. See, this is, this is all the Bible. We wouldn't know the true nature of man's heart apart from the Word of God. We wouldn't know the character of God apart from the Word of God. And we wouldn't know the solution to the sin problem that every one of us have if, if there are none righteous... No, not one. We're all in the same boat. And, and we have a problem. That sin separates us from God. So, most of you are familiar with John 3. Nicodemus came and said, What must I do to inherit heaven? And Jesus said in verse 3, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So, Jesus said, yes, you have a sin problem. You must be born again. He said, 
I can't go back into my mother's womb. He said, no, I'm saying you were born physically when you were physically born into this world. You must be born spiritually. And he goes on and says in this chapter, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man is the only one that you can look to for the forgiveness of sins. And that then led us to verse 16, a very, very familiar verse. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That reveals the nature of God. That reveals the heart of God. Verse 18, He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he's giving us, yes, we're all sinners, but Jesus Christ came into the world to pay the penalty for our sin, and whoever believes in him is not condemned but is given life everlasting. Look at verse 36 of the same chapter. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Jesus Christ alone is the solution to man's problem sin. And that solution is only given in the Word of God. And that is good news. That is the Gospel. That is why Thomas Jefferson said the reason that Christianity is the friend of government is because Christianity is the only religion that changes the heart. It is the only religion that deals with the heart because it is the only one that gives us a solution, Jesus Christ, and you only know that through the Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So it is, it is established that only through the Word do we know the truth, the solution, Jesus Christ. Number five, the Bible is... A guidebook of life. It gives us principles of a successful life. Now let me just stop right here and say, the first four points are the most important. There are many people that have skipped the first four points and have jumped to point number five, and they've gone to the Bible, and, and they've found principles that they've taken and used, and, and it has blessed their life. You say, how can that be? I mean, if a wicked man or a righteous man plants good seeds, the seed will produce. The law of sowing and reaping applies, okay? But in the end, if you skip the first four things and never receive Jesus Christ, the principles of life are not going to help you at all because... 
What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? But God gave us the Word not only to prepare us for eternity, but to show us how to live in this life. And, and if you read the book of Proverbs over and over again, it says, above all things, get wisdom. And whatever you have to pay, get it. Pay the price to get wisdom, whatever you have to do. It's always saying, wisdom, wisdom, seek wisdom, seek wisdom. Wisdom is seeing life from God's perspective. So if I want to see my finances from God's perspective, I better be a student of the Word. If I want to see my marriage from life's perspective, from God's perspective, I better see what God says about marriage. And it applies throughout it. That's why in Joshua chapter 1 and, and verse 8 and 9, he said, Joshua, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid. He said, I will be with you. I will strengthen you. And he said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you will meditate therein day and night, and whatever you do will prosper. The key was the Word of God. Meditate in His Word day and night. Wednesday night at our men's prayer time, we read Psalm 1. And in Psalm 1, it gives the blessed man. And it says, the blessed man, these are things he doesn't do. He doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But notice verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. It is his delight is in the law of the Lord. Can you honestly say today your delight is in the law of the Lord? We need to quickly go on. The Bible is the love letter of God to me. A week ago, Marilyn and Denny went down to see her brother in Florida. And... and after she was gone for a day, the, the second morning, I get a text from her and it said, um, have you seen your vitamin card? Now, we struggle sometimes with texting, all right? Like, it's almost like this game, what words, vitamin card, I'm saying. And I texted back card and I put question mark and I didn't get a response. And then I talked to her on the phone, and, and she said, did you take your vitamins? And see, this is the, the fun part of getting to this age, you know. Um, I'm not even going to go there. don't even have time. And I said, yeah. And she said, well, did you see... You didn't see the card in there? I said, no. And, and we have this box of pills. And part of it are her side and part of it are mine. Well, she left an envelope in there with a card for every day that she's gone. A love note to me that I'm supposed to read 
every day, and she said, do not peek ahead one day at a time. Okay. Well, I never saw it because it fell down behind her pills. I don't go in her pills. I stay in my pills. So, so she said, well, I left, you, I left you an envelope there. I said, oh, great. So when we were still on the phone, I said, well, I didn't see it. And I went and looked, and it had fallen down behind. I said, oh, here it is. Thank you. So what if the next day she said, did you get the cards? And I said, yeah, but I I haven't had time to look at them yet. Immediately, her expression of love to me would have been rejected. This is God's envelope of love messages to us. I I just don't have time. God's love for us, and, and this isn't demeaning at all, my wife loves me with all her heart and I love her with all my heart, but God's love for us is way more than any human's love. And, and we walk right by his envelopes and we do not pick it up or we glance over it quickly. And this is God's message of love for us. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that God loves us. Lastly, in the first half of the message, I need to add that or you'll be thinking differently, okay? The only eternal thing in this life, apart from your soul, is the Word of God. Everything else you see in this life is temporal. There are only two things, your soul and the Word of God. My Word shall never pass away, he said. The Word of the Lord endures forever. Isaiah, he says... The grass withers and the flower of the field fades, but the word of the Lord abides forever. Jim Elliott, who gave his life in service for Christ, said, He is no fool who gives that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Nothing, nothing can wipe out the Bible. Satan has tried to wipe out the Bible over and over and over and over again. And he can't do it, and he won't. It is eternal. And yet, he doesn't need to wipe it out if we don't make it the priority in our life. As as Baptists, our number one doctrine is the Bible is our only rule for authority and practice. That means everything we do should be Bible-based, Bible-directed, and Bible-centered. And throughout scriptures, and, and I need to hasten on, but he says, the, the patch theme verse, let the word of Christ dwell in you a little bit. No, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Is the word of Christ dwelling in you richly? Is it, is it piled up in your life, so to speak? Is your delight in his law? 
This last, a week ago, I heard someone say it takes 70 hours to read through the Bible. I don't want you to raise your hands, but how many have never read through the Bible? The person that said this said 70 hours to read through the Bible, and most people spend more time on media in one month than it takes to read through the Bible. 70 hours to read through the Bible. And, and you can say, I believe the Bible. Have you ever read it through? How, how do you... You're, and, and yet we sit here and complain about politicians that they just passed a bill this week, 1,200 pages. You tell me they've read that? They haven't read that. They don't even know what's in it. And we say, I believe the Bible. You tell me you believe that? And you've never read it? Don't you tell me that. We think we're... Yeah, I'm serious about this. We think we're Bible believers But if you were to stand before God today, would He say the Word of God dwells richly in you? Or is it like a good, I better have my devotion so my day goes good. That's not loving God's law. So how do I become a person of the Word? How does it dwell richly in me? Number one, you must have spiritual life. If you've never been born again, the natural man does not receive the things of God. Number two, you must have humility. And I have to hasten through these. I cannot live apart from the Word of God. That's humility. Saying, you might say, man, we come from strong stock and we're survivors and I can trace my heritage back to George Washington and and we're... No, You can't make it without the Word of God. That's what Jesus said. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of my mouth. Number three, to be a person of the Word requires change. You know, every kid growing up, Every boy wants to be a champion of some sort. The champion hunter, the champion basketball player. But those that are champions make changes in their life to make it possible for them to grow and develop. It's not enough for us today to say, yeah, I really want to be a person of the Word and keep living the way we have been living. You're going to need to put off some things. The Bible always talks about put off and then put this on. It's it's putting off certain things. It requires change. It requires seeking first the kingdom of God. Okay, what am I going to do in order to do that? Number four, it requires persistence. To pursue the word, make it a priority, <clears throat> and and we've all experienced it. We we mean well, and and we start out, and then it's not long until until we get distracted and we fall in. Why? Because Satan. There's two things Satan wants to knock out of your life as a believer: fervent, lively Bible reading and prayer. 
Those are the two legs that the Christian life stands on. And if he can knock those out, we're crawling around acting like we're running. And we're, we don't have any legs. And, and we must be persistent. I am not going to let anything distract me from pursuing God, from making His Word the priority of my life. As Paul said, my goal is that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. You know God through the Word. Next, it requires endurance. A continued persistence over the long haul to continue in the trials of life, in the stresses of life. George Washington had time alone with God that he set apart every morning and every evening. He would get his troops up at 5 a.m., to march 10 miles, he would come back to his tent and spend an hour alone with God. They knew, do not bother him. He is in his tent. He is reading his Bible. He is alone with God. And, and he would spend that time alone. And then in the evening, he would have his evening prayer and time in the Word. Everyone knew this was about his time alone with God. Now you tell me your life is more important or more busy or more stressful than George Washington's was. If everything in this life is going to go away, except this, we're, we're playing with mud pies we're, we're sitting here fooling around. I mean, through the difficult times in life, that ought to drive us to the Word. And, and I'm thinking as I look at world events going on today, what is it going to take? Don't, don't talk to me about Russia, Ukraine, COVID. Talk to me about Christians. What's it going to take to get us to be students of the Word. There is a spiritual famine in our land today. A major famine in our land. And until Christians come back to the Word of God, it doesn't matter what else is done. And, and what is God doing? He's trying to wake up we as Christians. We, we read, even if we do this, we read our little ten minute thing in the morning and go our way and never think about it. I was, I was personally convicted as I learned of George Washington. Of morning and evening he's doing this. And then, then it requires faith. Because you're going to read the Word and you're going to think, that doesn't seem true. It doesn't seem like that's right. And you're going to have to come back and believe what God said. Even when you're circumstances and everything around you may say otherwise, it requires faith to be a person of the Word. And most of all, number seven, the most important one here is, well, number one's important, but number seven, you must love God. See, 
I read the Word because I love God and I want to know Him and I want to be close to Him. I mean, that's why we do that. It, it must be motivated by a love for God, the first and greatest commandment. We must be in the Word because we love God and we want to know Him. And, and it's, it's a blessing to be able to spend time together with Him. See, if, if my attitude is, oh, haven't been with Marilyn for a while, I guess I better spend time with her. Would you want to go on a date or spend time together? Because I have to. To be a good husband, you're supposed to do that. You know, they tell you at church, you're supposed to do that. Blah, 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 blah. No, you want to spend time with people you love. You want to be with them. So the question is, if we don't desire it, do we love Him? It's love that ought to motivate us. A.W. Tozer said, The great people of the Bible and Christian history have had an insatiable hunger for God. He said, He waits to be wanted. Too bad that with so many of us, he waits so very long in vain. And as I read that, I thought, this is the God of the universe. This is the God that created everything, and he created me, and he created you. And in my rebellion, he sent his only son, and he waits to be wanted we, we can say the world rejected God, but He wants to be wanted by us. He waits to be longed for. <clears throat> he waits. not. A, and, and again, I'm not preaching this to put you on a guilt trip. But to awaken us to say, if we really love God, you can't love God and not love His Word. And, and my heart breaks he waits to be wanted. I mean, they drive me nuts, but they show these animal ads and them emaciated dogs and cats and poor, they need adopted and everything, you know, poor thing. They want to be wanted. And, and then you take it up many, many notches you have many children in this world that want to be wanted. But you can't even compare. Beyond that, way beyond that is God. He doesn't need us, but He created us for fellowship with Him. And He waits for us to come to Him. I don't know exactly what your relationship with the Word is. But I know every one of us need to turn it up more than we have been. And, and understand, this is it. This is it. This is the only thing that matters. Everything else will pass away. And let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. I mean... 
richly, abundantly, overflowing, and it will affect every area of our life. He waits to be wanted by us. Heavenly Father, I pray that Your Spirit would draw the hearts of every one of us here today to Your Word. And Lord, if there are individuals here who have never called upon Jesus Christ, Help them to see they're condemned already, as you said in John 3. But Lord, help them to see the message of your word, that you have sent the solution to the sin problem, and it's Jesus Christ alone. And I pray today would be the day of salvation. Lord, I pray then for we as believers, I pray truly that we would repent of our attitude toward Your Word, which really is an attitude toward You. And by attitude, Lord, I'm, I'm not saying we say we don't believe the Bible. We say we do, but our actions often betray us. So, Lord, I pray that there would be changes in our lives as a result of your spirit ministering in our lives for your glory. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's